Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. That's true. Uh, Oh, uh, here we go. <clears throat> Let's rock and roll. Bridget Johnson on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Bridget. Hey there. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for being on the show. I'm interested to get into your business and the whole world of recycling. I want to talk all about it. But before we go there, let's let's talk about the 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 life and times of Bridget when she was younger. Family. Where you grew up, siblings, mom, dad, give us some early stuff if you don't mind. Go for it. Sure. I'm from upstate New York. I'm the oldest of four kids. Um, my parents were, my dad's a realtor and an entrepreneur. Um, I was raised in kind of a, a fun, really fun environment. Grew up on a farm. My grandma had a big farm, so I had a horse growing up and we had dirt bikes and we were outside all the time. We had a lot of land and a pool. So our house was the fun house. We had a swinging tree. They had a rope and a stick and you could jump off this cliff and kind of swing all the way around and come back. So it was nice. never a dull moment when I was growing up. Um, fast forward, I um, got an opportunity. To, I went to Alfred State College for two years in New York okay. and got a okay. business degree and then transferred to UNC out here in Colorado. I actually got almost what? a full ride. Oh, okay. Why, why UNC? Did you pick that? Did you target that or what happened? They gave me the most amount of money. I, I, I applied in like Wyoming, Colorado. I, I ski patrol. So mm. my dad ski patrolled. I joined when I was 15 and I'm super passionate about skiing. So I was like, you know what? I just I need to get out this. West. And so I they gave this. me the most amount of money to finish college. Cause my parents prerequisite was like, Hey, we'll let you, you know, go 2000 miles away, but you have to finish your degree. So your <laughs> so your whole, your, your goal was, Hey, I want to go to school somewhere where the skiing is, a little bit better. Not that the skiing is terrible on the East coast, but it's better West. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's best out West. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I see that. All right. And you, did you live in Greeley? You moved to Greeley or what? Yes. I lived in reality for three years. <laughs> um, finished my degree, worked at a bar there, paid for all my school myself. Um, Wow. That was a big, a big undertaking. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't have to owe too much money when I graduated and I ski patrolled up at Keystone. And so I had a job up there and I also worked at the bar and um, always knew I wanted to own a company, but I didn't know what it would look like. Um, business just fascinates me. I love people who start things. I love business owners in general. They're did really that, entrepreneur, that, that, that entrepreneurship did that, did you get that from your dad? Cause he was an entrepreneur. Where'd that come from? Yeah, I would say, yeah, both my dad and my mom, they're both okay. entrepreneurs in their own right. Yeah. Okay. I, you know what? I like to control my own time. Okay. And so I played soccer in high school and I was a gymnast and my dad never missed a meet and he never missed a game. Uh, and I, I was see. like, gosh, that, 
And he was the only dad that would come Mm -hmm. to practice, you know, help get me to practice or whatever. And I thought, you know, I really like his lifestyle. My other friend's parents go to a place and they can't leave and they can't come to these events. And that Mm -hmm. kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. So I need to make sure that whatever I'm I'm doing in life, I have a little bit more control of my time. Boy, that's a great tip for the listeners right there. That is one of the blessings about being an entrepreneur. Now, now, you know, getting started is obviously super tough and we can get into some of that. But once you're somewhat established as an entrepreneur, it is a wonderful life, especially when you have kids and family activities, because if you want to go to the soccer game at 2 p.m., you don't have to ask anybody. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. You were an athlete. Did you play uh, sports in, in at UNC as well? I did. I actually started to play on their soccer team. Didn't really get along with the coach so well. So a whole group of us started a club rugby team. So we started the first ever UNC rugby. What, we, what were we called? We were called um, Elegant Violence Team. Elegant Violence. <laughs> oh, I like the name. <laughs> Pretty it was funny. exciting. It was wow. awesome. I'd never played rugby before and um, I learned a lot and it, and it made some just some phenomenal friends. That's lifelong cool. friends. Not- that's pretty cool. Now, the, the by the way, the drive from Greeley, Greeley to Keystone, that sucked for ski. What, what did, you, did you live up there? Did you stay overnight? No, I dro- Dude, I drove. I drove up there. Um, I had a piece of crap Volkswagen um, little little mini car. It wasn't a it wasn't a bug, but it was a little Passat uh-huh. or something. Passant. <laughs> I hated that thing. Okay had no air conditioning. So I was like scraping the window, driving up in the winter. And as you know, that wasn't fun most of the time. So I would work at the bar and then I would drive up to Keystone, sleep in the parking lot for a couple hours in my sleeping bag and then get up and patrol. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. Okay. So you were doing that, finishing school, knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. You knew early on, you're like, okay, I love skiing. I'm getting this degree and this is fun, but I want to own my own business. That was the goal. Yep. Okay. From All right. Did you, did you have any idea what you wanted to do? Or were you thinking I want to own a ski shop? I want to, did you want to do you something? Know, I think I, I tossed around so many ideas. My friends used to joke. They were like, man, the business ideas you've written down on like, you know, like napkins at bars or whatnot. Cause I'm always coming up with another great idea, but nothing stuck. Nothing was in my heart where I was like, I couldn't let go of it. An idea where I was like, it grabbed on. And I, I just couldn't let that idea go. And so if I was going to give anybody advice on starting a business, Jeepers, it would be if there's that idea that just gnaws at you, like you, everyone, the one that you can shake that you're like, man, I wonder about, you know, you should go, you should lean into that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. What'd you do when you got out of school? What happened first? Hmm. Well, I, uh, oh gosh, I got a job working in Charlotte, North Carolina of all places, um, helping an internet company get off the ground. And you and moved, so I, you, you moved, I did, I did. And that piece of crap Volkswagen, I moved all the way to North Carolina. I lived there for about six months. Um, it was right when the internet was taken out, taken off that people were developing websites. And so I was in charge of a whole sales team setting up sales in like higher end stuff, so like hospitals and and doctor's offices. And we had a whole segment that we went after. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I did that for six months and really learned a lot about the internet space and um, websites and signing people up for websites, but it wasn't my passion. And the company changed hands and folded. And I had an opportunity to go to Key West 
and lived with my brother Paul for a little bit. And uh, we did a lot of, my dad was a contractor as well as a realtor. And so Paul was building boats and fixing places up. So I worked with him for a little bit and kind of got back on track. He helped me. I remember being out on a sailboat one day and he was just like, what do you really want to do with your life? Mm. Like of all of us, you're the one that has all the degrees. Like mm. half of my siblings didn't even go, most of them didn't even go to school. And mm. so or they didn't finish college. Like they went for a little bit and said, yeah, it's not for me. And so I said, you know, I just, I want to go back and ski. That's where my heart is. I love the mountains. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my life. And so I drove back out to Colorado after about a month with Paul in Key West. And I landed back at Keystone with old friends who took me in and they were like, you've got to just come live with us. And then I worked at Copper Mountain Resort for about two and a half years in international sales. First it was HR and then international sales. I'm so glad I had those experiences because I knew nothing about HR. I knew nothing mm-hmm. about hiring people, mm-hmm. job titles, paying them, you know, employee reviews, all that stuff that later was going to really help me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I got to a lot, which was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Too much uh, now, 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 I got to ask you, though, I want to go back just for a second. Now, did you party a lot on Duval Street in, in, in Key West? Because I've been there several times. <laughs> I did. I did. We would ride bikes there so that we were safely getting home. Right. It's uh that is a. Uh, that's a that's a town where, where where people go down sometimes for vacation and never they just never leave. <laughs> they just kind of figure out. That's correct. <laughs> that's absolutely. You're so accurate. I could I could still be there if, you know what I mean? If I would have come up with that idea, I couldn't shake. I could still yeah. be in Key West. Interesting. Okay. So, so you crashed with your friends, you, 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 you started, you, you worked, you got that experience, but in the meantime, this entrepreneurial bug is just kind of eating away the whole time. Yeah. It was driving me crazy. I was like, when am I going to start something? I need to start something. Hmm. Yeah. I had a couple not so great ideas. So I didn't really, I mean, I, I tried a couple of things before I did green girl recycling. Um, I wound up moving to Denver, actually, actually I moved back to Boulder and lived with a group of girls up on Sugarloaf road, but I was driving to Denver and I worked down there for another eight or nine months. Again, another sales job. And it was like lotions and potions and it turned into a multi-level thing. And I didn't want to go down that road. And so I, I broke away from that and I started green girl. Okay, now let's talk about that though. Where'd the idea come from? Did you talk talk about the transition into starting Green Girl Recycling? I want to know about the transition. How'd you do, um, how did you it find pretty, it? It was pretty straightforward. <laughs> we drank we drank a lot of beer. Um, we drank a lot of beer and partying and had a huge um, volleyball net outside in the back of our house up on Sugarloaf Road, outside of Boulder, up in the mountains. And uh, we would have these huge parties. We'd have hundred people at these parties. And it was the only one that would bring the recycling down into town. And I had a Jeep and I would put all this crap in the back of my Jeep and I would take it down to town. And I, I don't know, I think we had a bunch of parties in a row and I was like, you guys, you got to help me. I'm the only one bringing this recycling into town. It's driving me nuts. Like some of the guys are spitting in the bottles. It's disgusting. Like you got to help me. And I'm like, can you put it in your car? Can, can you guys take some of it? And they were like, no, Bridget, you're the greenest girl we know. Like you're going to do that. And by the way, what what, what year was this? What year was this? 98, 97, 98. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, recycling. I mean, it's not, it was just totally different world. I mean, there was, there was some recycling and there was thoughts around it, but nothing like today. So I can only imagine back then in 97, 98, like your friends are like, what what are you doing? Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, they were. Well, I said, would you guys pay me like 10 or 15 bucks to help with my fuel? Because I'm the one that's driving it all the way down there and then all the way out to the recycling center. And back then you had to have everything separated. So I had a, I went to Target and had all these different bins. I had one for like brown glass, white glass, you know, um, aluminum cans, office paper, newspaper, you know, because we had all those things at our house and you had to keep them all separated. So it was a complete pain in the butt. You know, you're like, Mm -hmm. man, all right. I, of course, we were filling up the brown glass bin like 10 times faster than every other one because (laughs) they're part of it. So I had a lot of bins for the brown glass, which is (laughs) so. Yeah, they were like, yeah, we'll totally pay you. And then I remember a couple of weeks went by and I was like, you know, I wonder if there's any haulers that pick this up that would come and grab this from us. So I started making phone calls and I wound up calling um, one of the biggest trash companies here in town. And they told me it would be 80 bucks to come get our glass and our recycling. And I was like, $80? Like, no, that's outrageous, 80 bucks. Right, I'm like, right. Oh, but nobody's going to pay 80 bucks. Like, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody was. They'll pay for bags to put regular recycling in that gets thrown into the trash and supposedly pulled out at the end right. of the day. Right. Um, but yeah, I was like, no, I want you to come get my glass. I want the glass to be recycled with the other materials. And yeah, I, I couldn't let go of that. It bugged me. Like that amount bothered me. So I called a couple of other companies and they weren't hauling glass as well because glass breaks in trucks. So if you put it in the back of a trash truck and you crush it, the glass breaks and then it contaminates all the other materials. So I it see. gets into the newspaper, it gets into the office paper. Okay. So it makes sense. Back then, everything had to be separated you know, into the separate categories, the separate materials, you know, so just brown glass, Uh, just green glass, just white glass. So I was like, all right, um, I wonder if there was a way that I could pick the, you know, bring this to town separated, but like make some money doing it. I just, the money part drove me nuts. I'm like, nobody's going to pay 80 bucks. Everybody's got glass. There was just a huge need. So I was like, all right, how can I fill this need? Hmm. Because at that, at that moment, you're not making money. It's actually costing you money to do all this. Oh it's yeah. Costing. It was totally costing me money. Yeah. You're, yep. you're, it's, it's not a business at that point. It's <clears throat> you're just trying to do the right thing for the environment and it's costing you money and time. Yep. Yeah. In New York, you could just take all your stuff to the facility. You drive into the facility. There's a little kid there that works at like, or you like um, a boy scout or a girl scout. It'll help you take your bags out of your truck, your car, put it in the right bin. And you just drive through away. You go, you tip them. Right. So that goes to their like troop. And I was like, man, there's nothing like that out here. That's such a cool business model. Mm-hmm. So I looked at like setting one of those up and I had, I had no money. I was so broke. So I was like, well, I could pick this up for people and I could come up with X number of dollars per house, you know, to get it so much a week. And so I kind of played around with the, I don't know, the amount, the frequency, what I would do, how I would get it. And um, I said, well, you know what I'll do? I'll knock on doors and I won't stop for 10 days straight. And I'll just see who's, who will sign up, right? So it's just sweat equity. I was like, I'll just, I'll just, just knock on doors. So when I was college at UNC, I actually sold books door to door one summer. It was the crappiest job ever, mm-hmm. <sighs> but I made a ton of money. I made like, I think I was like a top salesperson. I think I made like 15 grand in two months. Nobody okay. made that much money. And I was like, sweet. I've got like, you know, school paid for this next year just from selling these crazy books. So I did the same 
And yeah. you made a you made a map and then you start at the bottom of a road and you just go to every single house and you just draw on your map where the houses are and who you talk to if they said yes or no. But I would put like their dog's name, their kid's name, you know, and their last name and their phone number if I could get it, which helped me so much in the future. So I did 10 days straight and I signed up like 20 houses. Okay. Now, like, now at this time, now I just want to set the stage for the listeners. This is way before Boulder, like mandates recycling. This is way before any of that. Like what percentage of people, because this is in Boulder, you were doing the door knocking, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What percentage of people do you think at that time, just take a guess, were recycling? Like 10%? Maybe? More like 20 or 30%. Okay. Okay. But they had, they, a lot of them were paying one of those players first color to put the recycling in they couldn't put okay glass let me ask you let me ask you that again because you you cut out right there i want to make sure your internet's dropping just a little bit from time to time but uh um they were paying who they were paying a trash company to pick up their recycling but they could not put glass into it okay all right did you know how much they were paying the trash company so you were were you trying to beat that or undercut that or what were you doing with that yes and yes yes and yes yep okay got it got it all right so you're knocking on doors and they're like, and they're like, who are you? Like, what? What do you, what do you, what do you yeah, want? And I was like, I'm Bridget. I'm the green girl. I'm going to help you with your recycling. <laughs> I'll go right into your garage or I'll pet your dog. I won't let him out. You know what I mean? I'll give him a treat along the way and I'll take all your recycling and a hundred percent of it. I'll get to the recycling center. So, all right. So let me, so the pitch is, so you're knocking on my door, by the way, did you already have the, the name green girl recycling? Did you already have the name? Mm, I was working on that. No. No. I just said, I'm, you know, like, I'm just, I'm Bridget. I'm Bridget. I'm Bridget. Yeah. My <laughs> friends call me the green girl. You know what I mean? Cause all my friends did, they were like, Oh, Hey, green girl, which was a joke. It was a joke. You know, at these parties, they were like, Oh, Bridget's the greenest girl. We know she'll get uh, your stuff to town. Okay. So you knocked on the door and you're like, look, did you look to see who was already recycling? You're like, okay, I know they're recycling. So I'm going to knock on their door and tell them that it's going to be cheaper. No, you didn't know. Okay. Oh my God. I literally knocked on every door. And this is a good story. A couple of them came to the door, like to the door with a gun <laughs> out the window. And they were like, what are you doing out there? What do you, what do you, what do you want? You know? And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I was like, uh, it's just the census. I see you're still here. I'm leaving. Bye. You know. <laughs> now, if you told me somebody up. came, if you said people came to the door with guns in Weld County up in Greeley, that would sound more normal in Boulder. That sounds weird. <laughs> Well, in the mountains, not in the mountains. Gotcha, gotcha. That's I would a good never, point. I would right. never break into somebody's house in the mountains. Yeah, you got no that. Way. Yeah, you got that right. You got that right. Yeah, yeah. That by by the way, for the listeners, not to go down not to go down a little side road here, but yeah, if you go up in the mountains, camping or ATVing or whatever, if you're up there, I can promise you, eighty percent of the people up there are packing something. <laughs> anyway, all right. So you're so you're knocking you're knocking on doors. Go all right. Yeah, go for it. Oh yeah, I know. So I. I, I thought, you know, I, I did the math and I was like, wow, 20 houses, $15 each. I've got my Jeep payment. Huh? Okay. I've got my Jeep payment. This is like a viable business. This is a real, this is the real deal. I need, I need a trailer to pull behind my Jeep now to oh. go get this recycling that I said we, I would get for me to make this happen. Mind now, you, this is before cell yeah. phones. This is before I had a pager. This is, you know, <laughs> cause I'm dating myself here. That's how people ran businesses. And so and in the mountains, you can't call anybody. You still can't, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no reception. Right. So I had to go back to all those houses. I, I bought a pager 
give them the pager number so that they could page me if anything changed or they had extra stuff or whatever, they could call me. Uh-huh. So now I had like an actual first, my first business line, which was a pager number. Hold on. I'm having a, I'm having a visual. When you get the page, now you got to pull over to the Seven Eleven and you just pay phone or wait till you get home. So I'm, you know. Oh my God. I knew where every pay phone in Boulder was. Every <laughs> single one. Every single one. <laughs> yep. That's so crazy. Yeah. I started the whole business knocking on doors and with a pager. And then I bought wow. a trailer for 300 bucks. It was a motorcycle trailer, built up the walls on the side of it. So I could put all these little bins that I was going to use to keep everything separated in when I pick things up. Okay. Now, were you working your other job at this time or had you already quit? Oh yeah. Oh no, no. So yeah, I worked at the, God, I had like three jobs. I worked at the Pearl Street Inn was the big one. Um, okay. It was a bed and breakfast down okay. off the Pearl Street Mall. Okay. So you were still working there. Were you, now, are you single at the time? Still living with yep. some girls in, in an apartment? Still yeah, living, living, with, with, living with the girls, single. I was okay. dating my husband. I started dating my husband during all this craziness. Okay. Now I can just imagine how that conversation went. You meet him down at the bar or whatever in Boulder. And he's like, so what do you do? And you're like, well, you see that Jeep out there with that little trailer with the boards on the side that I put up. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> no? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was dating him when I started it. He was painting houses. Oh, he was painting and, houses. Uh, okay. <laughs> it was. And we had a competition. He actually like, and I'm very competitive. He was like, so whoever makes more money this year doing what they're doing, we should do that. And I remember being like, well, we are not a we. <laughs> so I'm going to kick your butt. So right. I knocked right. on doors. So that 10 days turned into a hundred days. I was mm. so motivated to get more business than him. It wasn't even okay. funny because he okay. was crushing it, like spraying houses and painting houses. Painters do very well. I don't think people really realize how well. Yeah. Yeah. And he was now at that time, he was by himself and you were by yourself. Nobody, you didn't have any partners yep. or any employees. Okay, yep. Got it. All right. Yep. Yep. So I wound up signing up enough business three months. You know, I think it started like July or August. You know, by the end of that year, I had more business coming in than he Sweet. did. Sweet. And, and mine was reoccurring revenue. I still uh-huh. have eight of the first 10 houses I ever signed. Oh, see, that's okay. Is that, that right? That's a big difference, right? Yeah, because if you paint my house, I'm not going to see you again for like 15 years, right? Okay, got Bingo. it. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, very good. All right. And so it started taking off. Um, let's let's do this. Uh, tell me, give me the three minute elevator pitch for Green Girl Recycling as it stands today. Like today, if I call you, what all do you do? Give us the sure. give us the pitch as of today. Now, by the way, for the listeners, GreenGirlRecycling.com is 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 the website. You can also find Bridget Johnson on LinkedIn, of course, and probably other places, but GreenGirlRecycling.com. <clears throat> Give us the overview. Go for it. Sure. Green Girl Recycling provides residential and commercial recycling in Boulder, Larimer, and Weld counties. We create solutions for recycling problems. We specialize in electronics recycling. We do paper shredding. We do composting. We also do the gamut of hard to recycle. So that can be anything from loose plastic bags, styrofoam blocks. We do hardback book recycling. We do toner cartridge recycling. Um, we kind of help people create solutions to any problem they might have in any industry. So we work with companies one-on-one to set up the best program for them that works in their office or it works at their restaurant or it works at their home-based business. Mm, mm, mm. Everyone produces slightly different materials and we help them with those services. Okay. So there's not a, there's not a blanket payment plan or program it really depends on the business the size residential commercial what they're recycling and then you 
you, you can yep. put together a program. Okay. We can. And we also do call-in pickups. We have a warehouse where people can come bring paper for shredding and bring re recycling um, into us, electronics. And we process them at our warehouse here in Long Okay. 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 Can I ask a few questions here? So I'm going to ask you some questions as a commoner. Let, let's, you know, I, I don't know anything about recycling. Let's just, let's pretend like I don't I know a thing. I know, I know a little bit, but not nearly as much as you do. So let me ask you some, some commoner questions, things that people from Weld County would probably ask, because I'm guessing they're the least uh, uh, percentage that recycle. I live in, I live in Weld County, by the way. <clears throat> so what's the difference between calling green girl recycling and taking my laptops and TVs out to the landfill and putting them in that little separate section they have? What's the difference there? Sure. Well, we only partner with our two East Stewart companies to have things broken down correctly. What does that mean? What's our, what's our two? What's an East steward? Okay. They're companies that are registered with the state that are audited all the time that break everything down correctly here in Colorado. And all of the, like the circuit boards and the, the back end, the plastic and the metal all have to go to a special place, a correct place to be processed. Okay. So they're not thrown away. Okay. There are some shady operations that don't actually do things correctly. They don't break every single component down to its best use again. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if we were talking about TVs, for example. Yeah. yeah right? TVs. Let's do TVs. Yep. Right. Oh. Stick around the TV, you know, that needs to get ground up and can be reused. The glass is leaded. There are only two places in the United States right now that accept leaded glass for recycling. So they need to be going on a truck to those, one of those two places. So that it can be turned back into leaded glass again or the lead extruded. I see. And if I take my TVs to the regular landfill, I say regular because I don't know the name of it. I don't know the big one that's yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You can take it to different places. You just need to, you just want to know, like, what are they doing with it? You know, who are they, who are they partnering with? Those are the best questions. Is, is it better? Is it, is it cheaper for me to call Green Girl Recycling or it saves me time because you come pick it up or both? How does that work? Yes. Yes, it is cheaper to use us, but not with TVs. TVs okay. are very expensive. And so EcoCycle in Boulder has, I think, the best, best, well, actually Best Buy has the best price still for certain size TVs to recycle those. Then I would go to Boulder, the that EcoCycle manages. I think they're 79 cents a pound or 90 cents a pound or $3 an inch. So for TVs, for laptops, towers, cell phones, wires, cords, cables, that's all free for us. So we don't, we I don't see. charge I for see. that. I see. <clears throat> I see. Where do you make your most money? Off Big the great papers? electronic like um, stereos and stuff. We just charge 40 cents a pound. So yeah, we beat everybody on price. Okay. Where do you make the most money in your business? Is it the paper shredding or the, the, what walk me through your business probably, model and yeah 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 the, the most percentage probably comes in from electronics then paper shredding and then the commercial accounts for single stream in i see i see okay all right um have you kept it in colorado only like have you purposely kept it you know, quote, small business, because you've had it for a while. I, 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 did you get to a certain I point? Did, like, yeah, I did, because I wanted to have kids and actually raise them myself. Mm -hmm. So my oldest, Gavin, is 15. He's sophomore Boulder High and Turner's 11. And he's um, in sixth grade at Centennial Middle School. So when they were babies, I wanted I wanted to be the one to raise them. I didn't want to okay. put them in daycare. Yeah. And so yeah. you can never hit pause on a business. 
Mm-hmm. Wesher tried. You know what I mean? I was just like, oh my gosh, when I was breastfeeding, breastfeeding, I was crazy. I was just like a lunatic for a year. Um, gotcha. I, yeah. So you're, you're either growing or you're not growing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so those years we grew, but a very small percentage when, they, when okay. the kids were really little. And then okay. when they got big enough and they were going to school, you know, I stepped on the gas again, hard. I was like, all right, let's do this. Like, let's, you know, like grow the business. We expanded, we moved the warehouse. I hired more employees. I bought out businesses twice since I started Green Girl. So uh-huh. I bought okay. out Green Mountain Recycling in 2004. And then in 2009, I had the opportunity to buy the equipment from Waste Not Recycling with all the customers that came with that equipment. Mm. I did not buy out Waste Not Recycling. Anita okay. Comer is amazing and still owns it and runs it. Anytime anybody's ever interviewed me, they always screw that up. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I just bought the equipment and the business gotcha. from her, which okay. doubled, our, doubled our size. So it was a okay. really significant purchase. Um, she's an amazing person. They, they're up in uh, Kelm, Colorado. I love those guys. Okay. Uh, how big is the company now employees? Uh, I don't know if you want to share revenue, but how big, how many employees you got? Um, there's, I've got nine guys now. Nine people. And, 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 and are you planning on grow? Do you want to grow bigger? Do you, what's, what's the, what's the goal? What's the plan now? Yeah. So I started an eBay business two years ago and we've tripled that revenue just even in the last two months. So I think the focus will be, you know, growing green girl, getting more electronics accounts and more electronics recycling, which feeds that eBay business, which is taking off, which is awesome. It's super fun to just things have more life. Giving, how does that, giving how, does that how does that tie together? What do you mean eBay business? I'm like, what do you mean? Sure. So um, when people turn in stereo equipment okay. and it still works or somebody, this is what'll happen. Somebody's parent will die and they're cleaning out their house and they're like, okay. Hey, okay. we have all these old tax documents. We're worried somebody's going to steal our parents' identity. They've moved on. Can you help us? And we're like, mm. yeah, we'll shred all of your documents. Hey, did you know we also do electronics recycling? They're like, mm. oh my gosh houses riddled with like old laptops and stereo mm-hmm. equipment and right. toasters. Right. And if, if it has a plug or a battery, we can recycle it. So I'm like, bring uh-huh. it in, we'll help you. And so let's say that that old radio, it has a lot of value still. Some of them are really old and they're really valuable. Mm. We're gonna eat. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, it does. You, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. You're, 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 I don't know if that's me or you chopping up on the internet, but so what I, what I heard you say was, so when it comes in, your guys in the warehouse, your, your team, it, it either gets recycled and crunched up, or if it still works and it has value, it goes on your eBay store. That's what it sounds yep. like to me. Yep. Right. Uh, I see. I see. Are you making more money off the eBay than you are the recycling already? No, 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 not no. No, no. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I just hired, I just hired another employee though, this last week, who's now running all of eBay. And so there's a whole division there. So before you started, before you started eBay, what'd you do with the stuff that was still working? You just went ahead and recycled it? Partners in Denver. So the people, so all the high-end stuff that needs to be like shredded, R2 certified. Um, We use Urban Mining Squared and we use EOS up in Loveland. Um, We were using a company down in Denver um, for all the we actually we use MetTech now for all the TVs. They're also RTOE stewards. Um, we, use, we work with a company called Revamped, who's okay. a middleman that helps move the TVs for us. Um, and then we've worked with a guy named Pete, who owns 3R Technology for like the middle, the medium grade stuff that we didn't realize had so much more life 
attached to it. So if something's completely broken, it's going to get ground up and repurposed. So the metal is going to get extruded out of it. The metal is going to get repurposed. Okay. Plastics go in a different pile, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It does. Have you ever thought about opening up your own, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the processing plant that crunches it up instead of paying somebody else? Have you ever thought about doing that yourself? You know, I think about those things, but kind of being a middleman and being selective is more profitable. Okay. Right now for us. Okay. But um, yeah, no, I love the people that we partner with. Where did this passion come from? Where did the recycle? How, how did that happen? Did you, when you were young, did you come across a, a campsite or something, or were you up in the mountain skiing and you saw people leaving trash well, and you got, but like, what, what, where'd the passion come from around it? I think, well, when I was really little, I wanted a new bike. And so my dad said, well, why don't you ride your bicycle, my piece of crap bike, around to the different farmers, go collect their cans. I'll help you. We'll take the cans in. We can sell the cans and then you can use that money towards a new bike. And I was like, all right. I think he thought I would just maybe do it or not. I crushed it. I went out and knocked on every door, you know, like this is kind of who I am. Then in college, oh, this is a good story. In college, all my girlfriends and I wanted to go to Florida when we were in New York on spring break. And so I would, we would call it midnight runs. We would go to the boys' dorms at night. We knock on their doors and be like, got any cans? Got any cans you want to get rid of so that nobody can bust you for drinking? Because you're not. Oh, uh, uh, I see. Okay. And we would All take right. these gigantic bags of cans, run down the halls with them, put them in my piece of crap Volkswagen. And then I, How about that? I would go sell them. And we saved up money that semester. And I took, I took the whole floor to Florida on cans. Uh, so I think I the see. passion for yeah. recycling yep. came from like the value I saw in it. Like, wow, mm-hmm. that you can really make a lot of money doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. No, I appreciate you sharing that with me. By the way, back then it wasn't co-ed, right? It was girls, girls dorms, boys dorms, right? Probably. It there were a couple dorms. My well, my dorm actually was co-ed, but there were a couple of them that were still separated. I see. That was I at see. Alfred okay. State in New York, yeah. And of course, eighty percent of the doors you knocked on there had cans in there because all the guys were drinking beer. <laughs> Heck yeah, you know it, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Okay. Very good. Uh, I appreciate you sharing all of that with me. So do you want to go, uh, besides the eBay, do you want to go bigger with the recycling? Do you want to cover the state? Do you want to go to other States? Yeah, I've actually helped a bunch of different businesses get off the ground. Um, here in Colorado, up in Creed, I helped them start a program up there. That's still running, um, recycle Creed. Carrie Bush started that back in the day. She was actually a customer of mine up here in uh, the Barquet ranch outside of Boulder where we live. And she also has a house in Creed and she'd started that and it's still going. Carrie has since passed away this last year, but the whole program still runs up there, which is pretty awesome. Um, I helped a company in um, Illinois get off the ground doing the same thing that we do. I just kind of consulted with them through just different meetings that we had on the phone and kept them on track. I think people, it's really easy for them to be like, have an idea and then kind of get away from it. And I was like, oh no, if you ask for my help, I'm going to, I'm going to call you and check on you. <laughs> so there's another guy that's out of, um, he's in the Midwest that I'm helping with his okay. price strategy. He's doing a lot better. So that's been fun. Do I want to go big across the United States? No, I think I love what I do here. I think it's been really fun to grow the company here. Um, I like, I love learning new things. I'm so passionate about learning about all the different things you can do with recycling and it changes all the time recycling has changed consistently since i started this first it was ever 
everything had to be separated. Then you could mix the commingle, the glass cans and plastics, and you can mix the paper, right? So I set up trucks to do that. Then it was like, oh man, we could put everything together and now it's single stream. Now you can mix all of your recycling together into one stream and the facility separates all of it. They do, an, they do a good job in Boulder, but they don't all across America. So the value for that material has gone down since single stream became more popular. I think a lot of companies are now, or, or MRFs, so material recovery facilities are going back to dual stream because they can keep the glass out of the paper a little bit easier, which makes the value of the paper higher. Does that, mm, does, does mm, that make sense? It does. So, and I live in Johnstown, Colorado, uh, near Loveland. Well County, they just rolled out a new trash service for us recently, like two weeks old. Uh, I don't even know the name of the new company. I just know it's it's a new company with new cans and they dropped um, they dropped a recycling can. There wasn't recycling cans before, believe it or not. Um, so now there's a recycling can and a regular can. So when I put all the stuff in the recycling can, is that and it mixes together? Is that is that still bad or what what what, what should I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a single stream program, right? If it's all in one can. Okay. And what you need to do is just rinse your stuff. You don't have to rinse it so that it's spotless, but rinse it. You know, like the only one that I ever tell people to be careful of is the peanut butter. Just kind of like take a paper towel and try to get as much out as you can. You don't have to like sit there under hot, hot water for 10 minutes, but everything else, if you just give it a little rinse, it's fine. Then it goes to the facility and it can get processed a little bit easier. Ah. Don't crush your cans because most equipment has optical sorting and sees an aluminum can as an aluminum can. Used to be back in the day, you told everybody to crush the cans because you could make more room and you could fit more in a truck. I remember that. Now yeah. the sorting equipment needs to see what it is. It recognizes it and it blows it off the line. So okay. the Boulder facility is amazing. They have tours. They've pumped millions of dollars. I mean, I think I, I can think of at least 7 million in the last couple of years that have gone into that facility to make it what it is today with it truly separates everything off the line and gets it into the right area. Okay. But you service Weld County. So you service where I live. So, so what, okay. So different communities have contracts with different haulers. Okay. So we've been expanding big into Platteville because there's no, there's no recycling out there. I see. There's only trash. So we do residential recycling in Boulder County. We do residential recycling um, on the front range in unincorporated areas, areas that don't already have a huge program that isn't being serviced by Republic or Waste Connections or Ram Waste or, you know what I mean? In different areas, there's different haulers. Mm. We partnered with a bunch of the haulers so that if a commercial account wants recycling, they refer us, which is amazing. I love that because mm. mm-hmm. that's, that's not their game. If trash is your game, you don't care about the recycling. Gotcha. You just want more numbers with trash, right? That makes sense. Mm. How do you feel when you meet somebody at a social party and you find out that they, they don't recycling and they don't, they don't believe in recycling? What, what do you, what do you like string up? Do you, do you like tie them down and beat them up or what, what do you do? <laughs> now I always ask people like, well, why? Yeah. Do why? why? Most of us, most and of us probably just education around it probably, isn't it? Or yeah, that, well, they just say, Oh, it doesn't happen. That's not really happening. Recycling is not really happening. Yeah. What, what g- give me that. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Cause I've heard people like, oh, they're like, Oh, it's all just bullshit. Or what? Like I hear people say stuff like that. Right? How do you, how do you respond to that? <laughs> you know, it really depends on where you live. So there's, there's pockets in Colorado where it's really not happening and they're a hundred percent right. But in the front range, we have a bunch of MRFs. There's a couple in Denver. There's one in Color Springs. There's one in Boulder. There's one up in Larimer County um, off the Taft Hill Road. They're really recycling. 
they're really doing it, right? They're really taking cardboard, putting it in a baler and making a cardboard bale, creating a 40,000 pound load, you know, probably in a couple of days and shipping it off and it's going to New Mexico and it's being turned right back into cardboard. Okay. That is absolutely 100% happening all day long. And so when people say, oh, the cardboard isn't really happening. Ah, glass isn't really happening. I'm like, oh my gosh, glass in Colorado. It is so happening. We've got Coors. We've got Anheuser-Busch. You know, we've got, mm-hmm. we've got ball aerospace <laughs> producing right. bazillions of cans. So typically I think the, I think the new thing is like every 13 days, a can's a can again. So if you recycle your can, it's turned into a can again. I, it, I didn't know. I didn't know it happens that fast. Let me ask you this. What happens to the cardboard boxes from Amazon orders in towns that don't recycle and the cardboard just goes in the regular trash can? What happens to that? That goes to landfill. It and goes then, to the landfill. If, then it becomes compost. You know, it's going to get turned into dirt fastest, right? That's way better than a plastic bottle. Mm. Plastic bottle is going to sit in a landfill for millions of years. So if you're concerned about recycling something, recycle those freaking plastic bottles. Okay, I'm glad you tubs, jugs, and jars. I'm glad you brought that up. Wow. If glass lasts for that long, why the hell is it even legal to like make shit in glass? I mean, what (laughs) right? The better question is why 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 can you make so much in plastics and different grades of plastic, right? Mm. So we're only recycling ones through sevens. There's other grades. There's grades that aren't being recycled, like all the film you know, that go like the special, like if you buy a toothbrush and mm-hmm. that toothbrush is stuck in that film, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not typically, it's not a bottle tub jug or jar. The facility can't recognize that. So that's not trash. Like, why can they pack it? I really wish that Americans could come together on mate when the, the producer responsibility of like packaging responsibility, the sustainability of packaging. Like, let's just all agree that like, hey, if we're gonna make a product and the product's awesome, Let's put it in a package that's recyclable, 100%. And if it's not, right, in an area, is it compostable? So if they're going to throw it away, it's at least not going to hurt the environment a million years from now. What you just said, that that summary that you just said right there was perfect. And my question is, why aren't we doing that? So it's either... It's either A, it's recyclable. I don't don't know if that's a word, recyclable. Yeah, recyclable. (laughs) Yeah. It's either that or it, like you said, it composts pretty easily. Like it, it, it should be automatically one of those two. Why wouldn't it be mandated that it's one of those two? That's a, that's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. I a hundred percent agree. Is that because, I don't know. Is that because Procter and, is that because Procter and Gamble and everybody else that makes shit in plastic is too powerful and too big and, and lobbyists can't get this stuff passed. Is that part of it? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, which is why I love EcoCycle because they're lobbying in Denver and, and, you know, in Washington all the time for this stuff. They're like, hey, let's not use plastic bags anymore. You know, let's make people bring their bags in and like reduce that waste. Mm-hmm. You know, plastic, if people didn't uh, offer the bags, you would bring something in, right? You would. Yeah, you would. But do you, do you know what your plastic was created? What was it? Was that, was that like 1930 or when, when was that? I don't know. 40s, 30s, 40s, 20s. I think it was in the 40s. It didn't really become popular until the 50s and 60s with like, yeah, it's on the internet. Okay. Okay. It's not my my specialty, specialty. It's it's something like that. I remember it's something around there, right? Yeah. It's something around. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I I just wonder if the creators of plastic and the early manufacturers of plastic, I wonder if they had any idea what that was going to do to, to the planet. I don't think so. Right. I don't, 
I don't believe there was some like evil person creating plastic back then thinking it was going to be bad. Right. I think they were like, Oh, look at this, look at this great stuff that we can use to put crap in. Right. And now here we right. are now here we are like 70, 80 years later, whatever it's been. And they're like, Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, not good. Right. And now the problem is the microplastics, right? So have you heard of microplastics that were, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Nope. What is that? Oh, all right. This is not yeah, Things that keep you up at night. Um, so plastics, when they're composted, you should never compost plastic, right? If you break it down, break it down, you get it so small. It's a microplastic. You can't even see it. Okay. But amoeba can ingest it. Fish eat it. Mm. Birds eat it, right? Mm. So we're literally putting that crap into our soil, growing other things out of it. So it's in the plants. It's in what we're eating now. They've done studies and there's all this. You can, you can Google this and follow microplastics and the, the issues that it's having in the environment. We're going to see cancers we've never even heard of, thought wow. of wow. because of this. You can't get away from it. Like I can't wow. get away from it. I'm very cognizant of it. And there's, there's not a whole lot I can do except for educate, tell people, holy crap, do not put anything plastic in your compost bin. Just don't do it. I see. Okay. That is another great tip. I'm sure most of the listeners do not know that. It is interesting how, and I think about this often, everything is just in, on the planet. It is just recycling and going, it's not going into outer space. It's recycling right here. Every single thing we're doing is just going around in yep. a circle. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, kind of like what goes around, comes around, what you put out, you get back. Yes. You know what I mean? So just be careful what you're doing. Be careful with your products. I mean, I always tell people like, what's one piece of advice? And I'm like, man, vote with your dollar. Don't buy shit. Don't like literally buy things that you love and packaging that's sustainable, right? That you're going to use over and over and over again. Support companies that are green. People have to report now. Companies have to report what their carbon footprint is, what they're doing. I mean, at Green Girl, we, we actually create recycling reports for people that are real. I, put, I poured thousands of dollars into our database so that when we pick up recycling for people, we actually track how much somebody recycled on that route, what they recycled, how much weight was that? So that I can give them at the end of the year or monthly, even if they need it. I mean, Crocs loves to see what they do every month. I love that. That's what great. They, yeah. What their diversion rate was like, how mm. much did they keep out of mm. the landfill? What's that environmental mm. impact? Mm. So support people like that. You know, there's, there's green banking. You don't have to park your money at a giant, big bank. There are green banks that actually will that? invest your money in only things that are sustainable, not like fossil fuels. Fossil fuels are not sustainable and that's not did helping. I not know that. Right? We all know this, but not a lot of people think about, huh, I have a savings account and the bank's using my savings or investing it or my pension. Where's my pension fund? Like, where's that money going? It's mm. in my pension. What's it invested that, <clears throat> I didn't know there were green banks. That's interesting. Okay. I had no there idea. Are. Yep. Yeah. I think the millennials are super into this. They are so into what is sustainable, what is green and where they're parking their money. It's so mm. fascinating talking to them about mm. these things because anybody in my generation and older is like what oh i didn't i, didn't, I never think about those things <laughs> it's just that uh, it's a, not just a, a new buzz but it's kind of like that whole you were talking about everything like yeah if you're recycling you're 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 like you're on the right track but there's so much more you can do so when i go and speak to big corporate you know at, at events and whatnot they're like hey 
what can we be doing here? Then I always look in their kitchen. I always look at what are they using? Are they, are they using things that are not compostable? Well, let's get rid of that plastic crap, right? Or let's get rid of the, the paper cups that have, you know, plastic film in them. They should be mm -hmm. using, you know, it's just, it should say BPA, like it's certified compostable. Let's look at um, the kind of the serving platters. So they have somebody coming and then they put all this food in these platters that are not recyclable. And then they, you know what I mean? Then they're going in the trash. What kind of like napkins are they using? Uh, what kind of paper are they buying? Are they buying recycled paper? Are they buying, you know, craft envelopes that you can't really recycle those big orange crappy craft envelopes. So I just look at their purchasing power. Mm. I'll ask them. I mean, if they'll let me talk to their accounting department, I'll really look and go, huh, well, you could change. You again, don't buy, don't buy crap. You can change. You can put, you can park your money into things that are hundred percent sustainable or you can buy whatever is just available to you. Have you thought about running? I mean, do you have, do you have like a tips? Uh, I mean, a consulting page, a tips page. Uh, I mean, like where, like you, you have so many, you have so maybe many. I should, maybe I should. No, I mean, I, I, I go to I, meetings I told, a lot and talk to people. But. You've mentioned 10 things in the last five minutes that I did not know. And I'm sure the listeners are like, okay, wow. All right. Wow. This is all great information. Have you thought about running a, yeah, like a consulting service or like, Hey, I can come into your company and I can give you uh, an analysis and a scorecard and tips and what you should do to improve. I mean, hell you could make, that's another revenue stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love doing that. That is so fun. I love helping people. I mean, uh, yeah. Or, or maybe, or maybe like a, um, a tips page on, I don't know. Do you have a tips page on your website? I mean, you got a lot of great, I, a lot of knowledge. I have some, I have some, but you're, you're right. I don't think I have like a true, have you thought about this things, You're things not. that I keep, keep me up at night? Uh, you know, I know EcoCycles website has many of these topics okay. and in depth, okay. like in okay. depth, microplastics in depth, you know, like, um, sustainable investing. And so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's, there's links out there, but you're right. But there's not one concise thing with that. And just, just listening to you. I'm fascinated. You know what I, you know what I knew about recycling before this call? I'll give you my, I'll give you my, my extent, the extent of my knowledge around recycling before we did this. My knowledge was driving to the landfill a couple of times to drop crap off from my garage and feeling like, and feeling like really like almost like sick to my stomach. Like, wow. Okay. We actually do this as human beings. Like we do this, we really do this. And by the way, for the listeners, if you have not driven out to a landfill to, I don't know, drop off an old couch or whatever, try going and let me know if you don't have some emotions around it because for me it was emotional and i and i was i was really just like wow okay this is like not good like how do we how do we how do we change this that, that was what i was thinking oh, on the way I back love you just said that i love you just said that uh, yeah it, it will make a difference for you if you go out there it, it's it's scary um but i took the kids their school as a field trip so you got a picture like 30 kids running around picking up crap. And I'm like, ah, don't touch it. Don't like, walk <laughs> on it, but don't touch it. Like, they're like, what's this? I'm like, ah, oh. um, it's disgusting. And, and watching the trucks drop off oh. with trash, which half of it's cardboard. And I'm it's, like, man, yes. divert, just start with diversion at your house. But How I mean, everybody always says to me, I don't know what I can recycle where I live. like, I don't know what I can recycle and I don't know where to take it. If I don't have a program at my house. Yeah. So there's some great links. There's a Colorado Recycles is a great website 
to okay. go to that has okay. all to the recycling facilities in the state and, and haulers and who does what and where you can take things. Um, it's always great to look. Um, cities always have a list too. So if you go to your city's website. Okay, good to know. Is there recycling near me? Who do you like? Who do you partner with? Um, and then hard to recycle events are awesome places to get rid of things. Oh. I love thrift stores. Thrift, my sister, Megan, ran the Summit Thrift and Treasure for 10 years in Summit County. Okay, They're just gems. You can take so much to a thrift store and then somebody else who could be looking for that thing is they're so happy to find it yep. and then yeah, to- yep. more life. Totally agree. I, I, I will tell you this. I know we're running out of time. I want to ask you two yeah. last questions before we go, but I want to give this tip to the listeners. <clears throat> if you're a novice or you're ignorant to most recycling, like, like I am, um, I would encourage the listeners to just start with, how about start with two things? How about start with this? Does this make sense to you? Tell me if you disagree. Just, do your cardboard and bottles. Why don't you just start with that? If you, if you don't feel like you can learn everything about recycling right away and it's just too overwhelming for you, just make sure your Amazon packages are recycled and separate your bottles. Is that a good starting place? Yeah, all your aluminum cans. Anything and, aluminum. The, and the aluminum cans. Okay, so Definitely. Those, those are three pretty easy things to do because I I do think my instincts tell me some people don't recycle because it's, it's too overwhelming. They don't know the rules. They don't know what they're supposed to do, whatever. Yeah. Just start with that. Aluminum cans, bottles, cardboard. Why don't you start there? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then don't buy crap. (laughs) And don't buy crap. Right. Don't, don't buy crap. Uh, Okay. Uh, Man, I could talk to you for another hour. I know we ran out of time here. Uh, Can I ask you two wrap up questions? If you could, you've learned a lot now as a business owner, by the way, congratulations on the fact, because you've had your business for what, 20 something years. How long has it been? 23, 20, yeah, 23, 23 years as an entrepreneur and successful business owner and, and raised a family and learned how to balance all of that. Congratulations. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Nice job. Um, if you could call the young lady back in upstate New York when she was coming out of high school and tell her anything now, based on what you've learned. What would you, a couple of tips you'd give her? To, to myself, you broke up a yes. second. Yes. Yes. <sighs> I think I would just say to keep your head down and just keep running. Don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. Okay. All right. We didn't talk about some of the trials and tribulations you went through as a, as a business owner, because that, that's probably another hour podcast, right? Some of the... <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, if you had to define your core purpose, have you ever thought about putting your core purpose into like a sentence, um, a statement or like a mantra? Do you have one? Yeah. I always tell people, why do you do this? And I'm like, I am so passionate about keeping everything out of the landfill that can, can, that can stay out of landfill. Right. So if I can help you divert, then I, then I won. when I die someday and I look back, I made a difference this time a huge difference. And that's why I'm here to make a difference. Yeah. You've been making a difference. Hell, you could travel the country right now as a, as a speaker and a consultant and probably make more money doing that. <laughs> Maybe you never know. You never know. You know, congratulations on everything, Bridget. I really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was an honor.